0: Empowerment is a word we hear a lot these days, especially as it relates to technology. Big data, the Internet of Things, AI, all have the potential to empower us to achieve more with greater ease and efficiency. When it comes to lake management, empowerment is Eli Kirsch's mission. His company, Lake Tech, provides a wide range of services, tools, and products to help lake managers improve and maintain lake health. The company also offers the Lake Tech Platform, a software program designed to streamline monitoring, track operations and maintenance activities, and simplify evaluation and reporting. In short, Lake Tech co-founder and president Eli Kirsch is on a quest to empower anyone from municipal resource overseers to professional lake managers to novice citizen scientists to develop a sustainable lake management program that turns data into action. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Aquapod, where we share water monitoring stories from the field. I'm Helen Taylor, content manager with InSitu. I'm Kerry
1: Caslow, InSitu's application development manager for surface water.
0: And our guest today is Eli Kirsch, president of Lake Tech, a California-based company that has developed a one-of-a-kind platform to support citizen scientists, professional lake managers, and municipal entities charged with maintaining the health of private and public lakes and reservoirs. The company also helps clients develop lake management plans and the continuous monitoring solutions needed to achieve their goals. Eli, welcome to Aquapod.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. So let's dive right in. Please tell us about Lake Tech, both the business and the platform.
2: Sure. I created um, Lake Tech in 2016. It was actually called E Limnology back then but no one could ever spell that. (laughs) So I changed the name just recently to Lake Tech. And I I feel like it actually gets the point across a little better about what we do. Sure. Um, So I'm a, I'm a lake manager, um, mostly dealing with addressing aquatic vegetation and algae overgrowth. And um, my background um, has been in this work, working with basically contractors that specialize in remediating lakes. Um, And, in 2016, um, I created a consulting firm that evolved into what we are today, which is kind of a hybrid. So we do consulting, but we also get very hands-on with our clients. And we've developed a platform which takes the data that we collect, but tries to put that um, in a in a form that's more easily usable by the general public, where they can truly use the data to evaluate what they're doing to manage those lakes, as well as to evaluate any products and technology that they're purchasing to use and really make sure that what they're buying is, is working.
0: So Eli, it sounds like that platform is really uh, meeting a need for people who need more than just the data. Can you give us a little bit more detail on um, on how it works?
2: Yeah, the, the way we created Lake Tech is it relies heavily on the real-time data that we collect or lab data that we collect. But we've developed a platform that allows us to overlay the other real-world activities and geospatial information so that we can look at the data directly in relation to when different equipment was turned on or off, uh, when different types of maintenance activities may have been performed. And it allows you to then visualize a bigger picture of the data and really look at that one graph and see very clearly what was the response to the activity that we've taken. And we've done that with chemical applications to control algae, aeration systems, fountains, Uh, erosion, restoration work, and you can start to see how those parameters have changed. Um, And we've seen um, lots of situations where you can turn on an aerator and determine very quickly that it's either undersized or the equipment doesn't do what the the manufacturer had intended. Um, And that may be an installation issue or just that that piece of equipment's not the right fit for that Water body, um, but it makes it much easier for for general public, citizen scientists, municipalities where they don't necessarily have biologists on staff or lake experts on staff, and to to more clearly visualize the data without having to download a bunch of extra data sets and find out how to use Excel and export data from this platform to that platform. So Lake Tech is it's really designed to help help the general public uh, streamline all those additional bits and pieces that are usually an obstacle to, to doing good evaluation work.
1: So really, it sounds like you're using these pieces of monitoring equipment to really define success or failure of a system and then kind of alter the program as you see fit.
2: That's exactly right. You know, in in one of the hardest problems that I think I have in this industry is Explaining what lake management is, right? Management is—it's a verb, (laughs) and it's not lake fixing. Um, And so, a lot of people expect that they're—I'm going to show up and just tell them that one thing they have to do. Here's the silver bullet, the secret I know. Um, And so, Lake Tech is really a great tool that demonstrates that this is management is about vigilance, persistence, patience, um, sometimes guessing and testing, <laughs> you know, um, right? Doing science. And um, and this tool um, ultimately is designed so that a customer in a lake setting can implement what we call an integrated pest management approach, IPM, which is... You know, we identify the pest. We figure out why is this pest thriving in this environment? Um, You know, then we think about how we can maybe manipulate that environment um, or manipulate that pest. Uh, And there's different tactics. We can do physical controls. We We can introduce other biological organisms. We can do cultural controls, we can shade the water with dye, we can use chemicals. So there's all these things we can do. Um, But those are just like pest control. They're not integrated pest management. And that integrated pest management is a systematic process where you identify the pest, you choose a a control strategy, you monitor, and then you evaluate. And too often we've seen in lake management that people say they're doing an IPM, but there's no monitoring and there's no evaluation. And I think people miss that. IPM is not, I'm doing lots of different things to control a pest. IPM is an adaptive approach to monitor and, and evaluate. And so Lake Tech is that tool that allows us to more clearly evaluate and monitor and be adaptive and adjust as we need to, right? Like we said, is it the right product? Am I using enough of that product? Too little? Too much? Um, and and then continually make improvement because management is a dynamic and ongoing adaptive process.
1: So when you say pest, what are some of these pests that you're talking about? Because I, I think of bugs.
2: Yeah, <laughs> me too.
1: My,
2: yeah. It, my brother. Uh <laughs> The pest in lakes, um, you know, I think most people would agree the pest is, is algae and primarily harmful algae blooms, cyanobacteria. Um, but really, I mean, the, the official definition of a pest is, um, any organism, that's a place you don't want it to be. (laughs) So (laughs) some man's pest is another man's native plant. Um, And uh, but we, you know, sometimes even native plants can get out of control, overgrow. We see a lot of that in California. These native fern like plants they are called azola mosquito fern and in high nutrient areas and especially with the way that climate has been changing with mild winters. um, These plants just grow year round and they will smother lakes. And um, so that's a major pest we deal with here. Primarily, though, algae, I think, is, is what most people think of or invasive plants.
0: So this isn't just purely aesthetic, right? I mean, there's real damage that can be done.
2: Yeah, there is real damage that can be done. I mean, when we manage lakes, um, you know, we talk about the function and the form of a lake. So like what are, you know, when we're developing an IPM program with a client, um there's a there's like a threshold where we start to the, of a certain pest you know once it reaches a certain amount then we take action and that's part of our plan part of our rapid response plan and that's directly related to what's the function what's the form of that pond you know if if a winery calls me and they have a tasting room that threshold's pretty low um but if it's a irrigation pond on a you know, on an orchard, um, they just need to make sure that their pumps don't get clogged and they can irrigate their crop. Um, and so it's a very different approach um, to management and um, a very different set of tools that we implement in Lake Tech, too, um, to visualize those, those results in that monitoring data um, so that they know, you know, when it is they need to start implementing the tactics and strategies for management that we've set out for them. Where where the program has really evolved into now is a great tool for municipalities. Again, that they don't, a lot of them don't have biologists on staff or especially lake experts. And so, what we have found is that we can be those lake experts, an outsourced lake expert and train the staff on how to do different management and then provide them this tool to keep them on track and keep them organized and help them do the evaluation and the monitoring. And then essentially we're we're able to assist those municipalities because we're kind of almost like a, an external supervisor. I can see all the field logs. I can help them make determinations on you know, did they use the right product? Did they use it at the right time? Um, did they use enough, not enough? And we can help them by seeing all of the data on the back end and being that kind of consultant, that leak management consultant, um, training them on how to implement an IPM management program.
1: So it sounds like you cover really a, a lot of different groups, a lot of different categories there. Is is—is there a typical sensor deployment or does it really vary across each of these different groups? What are you seeing with that?
2: Yeah, it definitely varies. I think um, with the homeowner kind of, it, I, I call them homeowners, but they're really just private lakes. One of, you know, a person who's managing one lake. Um, those folks tend to do pretty low cost monitoring And that's mostly because they don't need much. A lot of times it's simple, a simple setup. You know, it's very affordable to do two RDO blues, which would be, you know, temperature and oxygen at the surface and at the bottom. And we find the deepest place in their lake where it's suitable to put a small sensor like that. And most people see a lot of value in understanding that that can tell you a little bit about stratification of a lake, mixing of a lake. Um, again, you can evaluate, is your aeration system efficient? Um, and that's a really simple, easy way to get involved. Municipalities, um, we typically have a regulatory component. So it's necessary to have a multi-parameter probe where we're going to be looking at you know, pH. We're going to be looking at electro, uh, EC, conductivity. Um, and then we often do a multi-depth deployment in those situations. So once you start doing a multi-depth deployment, then Then it gets, actually, that's where the fun starts. You can start putting in algae sensors and other types of sensors um, throughout the water column and really start building a bigger picture of the seasonality of that lake and the the different phenomena that are occurring with different weather patterns. Um, And so I think algae is becoming of more and more interest with, with algae sensors becoming more widely adopted, um, I think understanding what those results mean and interpreting those, those RFUs the, the, um, and, and finding ways to, to, you don't necessarily have to report algae sensors as like equivalent to a lab result. Uh, and people are starting to see now that those RFU numbers uh, are really helpful just relative to themselves. Is, is that number going up or down? And, and how does that number fluctuate throughout the day, uh, throughout the season? Um, and I think at first, algae sensors were, a lot of people brush them off as not accurate or not, and therefore not useful. Um, and And I think people are starting to finally see that in and of itself. It's a really valuable monitoring device. So the data you're
0: collecting is useful both for trend analysis, but also being able to respond in real time to what's happening in the lake.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As I mentioned, like with, with an IPM program um, of the steps, you know, there's, there's identifying the pest, monitoring the pest and then an assessment, which is, you know, has, have we reached that concentration or abundance that warrants us performing a given action um and having that sensor um you know with a with a pest like algae that can explode in 24 hours um if you know that that's a potentially harmful or toxic algae um being able to see that in real time and then implement a predetermined rapid response plan the very next day or in 2 days that's going to really make a big difference um then if you had to wait a week or two weeks, and then the problem can be vastly more difficult to get your, to get control of.
1: So you also mentioned, too, that um, you have a lot of deployments where you have a, a monitor at the top of a, a water column and then also at the bottom. And I know a lot of people are probably thinking of algae as just being at the surface. So why is it important to monitor at a few different levels your your water body?
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly right. I think um, understanding, you know, some fundamentals of lakes is, is, is key. Um, and monitoring the bottom of the lake, it, it's really kind of where all the problems begin. And there are certain types of algae that grow on the bottom and break loose and rise up. Uh, or, you know, cyanobacteria can actually buoyancy regulate and move up and down in the water column. Um, so if you are monitoring with algae sensors, that can be really helpful. But, um, you know, lakes, um, a lot of lakes we deal with um, have depleted oxygen at the bottom, anoxia or hypoxia, which is low dissolved oxygen levels. And when those conditions arise, uh, different chemical reactions occur in the sediments and the soils, and they release nutrients, which ultimately fuel algae growth. Um, so, you know, having even just a simple oxygen sensor, um, at the top and the bottom, um, can inform, um, what's taking place there. What other, what other phenomenon might be occurring? Are we having release of phosphorus into the water column? Um, but also, um, as we discussed, you know, Is that a result of an aeration system not being in the right place, not being the right size? So there's a number of ways you can use the same sensor to to glean a lot of different information about a lake.
1: So going along with your your samples, I know you've mentioned before that you collect a lot of grab samples. Are you doing correlation between your uh, real-time data and those grab samples?
2: Um, not at the moment. It is actually, it's on our list. We, um, we would like to have a little calculator actually where you can, um, you know, put in the. in fact, I'm sending an algae sample out today for uh, the sensor I deployed yesterday. And our plan is to um, basically attempt to correlate um, the, the micrograms per liter of the, of, of the algae in the, in the sensor reading. So Yesterday's reading was 500 RFUs, which I think is the highest i have ever seen. Um, It was pretty bad out there. I'll I'll just say, you know, people always say like, oh, Eli, you have such a cool job. you have got all these (laughs) cool toys and boats. It's like, yeah, it's true. But nobody calls me to go and hang out at a beautiful, nice lake. They call me because it smells or it's... (laughs) you know, their dog is in the hospital. I mean, it's always, it's always bad. So
1: <laughs> you're there to fix it.
2: This, this lake definitely took the cake yesterday. It was not, it was not pleasant.
1: So with the deployment, like the one that you um, just installed yesterday, what does a typical deployment look like for you? Are you using a bunch of buoys or are you using um, like a fixed mount deployment pipe? What does that look like?
2: Yeah, we, um, you know, it, there was a lot of um, experimentation with buoys, um, but we found a, a really simple setup now um, where our primary, our our, our com- most common deployment is a very simple buoy. It's a mooring buoy. It happens to have a two inch hole that goes right through it, which is perfect for a view link. Uh, we, I don't want to give away all my secrets, right? But the view link can go right through there. A hose clamp keeps it from falling straight through the buoy. I've learned that that use the hose clamp because <laughs> diving into a lake and getting a viewlink from the bottom of the lake isn't fun. I've done that too, uh, and um, but then we, you know, we have an anchor on the buoy. And what we've found was thanks to Brock, actually, in chatting with you and Brock that one time, we now use midwater floats which um, we have a number of different types of floats that we use, Small, smaller buoys, that we attach to the, to the anchor line at specific depths under the water. And then if I attach my sensors to those buoys, I know that sensor is always at the same depth, regardless of the surface elevation of the water. So my antenna on my buoy can go up and down in the water but my sensors always stay in the same place. Um, And so a common one we've seen is with wineries. Um, They have a multi-parameter probe at top because they have to comply with certain regulatory requirements. And then we have a splitter that runs down to a level sensor, which we have at a fixed depth at the bottom of the lake. And that's because they have to report on water usage, especially if they're diverting water from any sort of a creek or surface water setting. Um, and so our platform then, uh, one of the great things about our platform and using that to set up with the level sensor, we're one of the only f- folks out there, I believe who convert level to volume. Um, and we do that by map doing a simple low cost map of the lake. And we create what's called a, a hypsographic curve, which is essentially a storage capacity of the, the elevation versus volume. And then we can, um, in-lake tech report pressure from that sensor as depth and cross-reference that with volume on a, on a graph. And so we can actually report how many gallons of water do you have in your lake in any given day. So that's a pretty common deployment for us.
0: So for those who aren't familiar, what is ViewLink and how does that uh, help with your deployments?
2: ViewLink has changed my life. I, I mean, I, like I know I, <clears throat> I'm going to sound like I work for for in situ here. But when I <laughs> we'll started... We'll let you sound that
0: way for just a second. Yeah,
2: Go ahead. <laughs> a ViewLink is a telemetry device. So it's a telemetry is an antenna. A telemetry is a fancy word which just means like a, a cell phone antenna. And um, it is so simple to use and affordable that like honestly, when I tell customers uh, about buying sensors, I basically like force them to buy it. I mean, it's... It's it's to not use it and pay almost the same amount of money to have like a Bluetooth thing that you can walk up to and connect with your phone. I mean, it, it's, it's really changed the game for us. Um, when I started doing this type of work, I would have a giant outdoor box with some batteries in it and a modem and a solar panel. And, you know, and then I'd have to like, hand wire in sensors into a control board and it would cost an arm and a leg. And I, you know, and uh, attention to detail is not my strong suit. (laughs) So I'd always have to go back (laughs) and rewire things. And, um, and this is literally just push button, you know, everything we do everything on our phones and this allows me to do everything on my phone. Um, that's what actually when I transferred and started using in situ equipment was the smart troll, which was now an obsolete piece of equipment. But prior to the smart troll, I was in the field with a a turbidity meter, a DO probe, a pH pen, a selenoscope and a GPS device. (laughs) And a friend of mine from the East Bay regional parks district had bought a smart troll and told me about it. And, I immediately bought one um, and have never gone back since to be able to have all of my parameters in one device, but more importantly, just like in my hand on my phone mm-hmm. and upload that to Google Drive, email it to a customer. Um, and the ViewLink has taken that even one step further, which is now I don't even have to be there. Um, and, I mean, You know, we often used to just get by with going out to a lake once a week, once a month, once a quarter, and doing a depth profile and grabbing some grab samples. And that was expensive. That cost a lot of money to send a staff member all the way out to the lake to drive there, get in the boat. Um, And it's. I, I actually started installing these buoys in the beginning just free to demonstrate to people that like for the same cost as having me come to your lake once a month, I can put this here and come quarterly to calibrate it or change the batteries once a year. And, um, and the quality of the data is so much better. I mean, to be able to see those diurnal patterns from morning to night, how oxygen changes with algae and pH fluctuates throughout the day um, and Temperature is changing. Um, it's really changed the game. I mean, that, that really was what made Lake Tech what it is today, was to have that affordable tool and to be able to... I mean, I literally was on the phone this morning with a homeowner in San Luis Obispo, and I, she kayaked out to her buoy, and I helped her change the battery and test, do a test upload. Oh, and wow. she'd never seen one before and never used the app before. And within 20 minutes, we were done. And she was back kayaking around for fun in the morning. In her
1: <laughs> On her beautiful lake. <laughs> That's great. <Yeah. laughs> what what other opportunities are you kind of seeing out there right now for your products and your services?
2: You know, well, the company, we're really glad we rebranded the company as Lake Tech. Um, not only can people spell it, but it really mm-hmm. gets at what, what we... Um, what we want to accomplish. I think that the traditional way that our industry um, of lake management has been is these contractors, which are specialized kind of landscaping kind of companies and contractors that do this management of lakes. Um, But there's a really big appetite of people who are the DIYers. They want to do it themselves. Um, And so we've seen not just the monitoring component as a way and, and the Lake tech platform as a way for people to kind of take the power, take the control for themselves and be the guide for them to, to help them implement their own programs. Um, so, but we're actually looking at a lot of other technology and we're working with a couple other people um, where we will be able to have, you know, some autonomous equipment, um, some, Uh, remote-controlled equipment, so things people can uh, rent and get delivered and make maps, um, collect algae, scoop up algae, harvest aquatic plants and invasive species. So we're starting to kind of implement um, kind of a a very complete package program um, where people can um, basically, you know, the Lake Tech van will hopefully show up one day and open the doors and you can pick your tools that you need you know, <laughs> and then we'll continue driving on to the next lake. Um, but our our objective is not to be the manager, um, but to help teach them how to manage. And so we're always on the lookout for exciting new tools um, that um, that can meet those needs of our customers.
0: How'd you get into this line of work? What, tell us a little bit about your background.
2: You know, um well I studied geography in undergraduate and um I ended up actually a crime analyst for the Oakland Police Department.
0: Oh wow. And
2: I was making maps about crime. And I I can remember vividly sitting in my cubicle and I leaned back in my chair prior to that, prior to being, doing GIS, I was a kayaking guide and fishing guide. I used to work on the Channel Islands in Santa Barbara and I just like lived in a, in a life vest and flip flops for most of college. And, um, and I remember sitting in this cubicle, making my maps and I leaned back in my chair and I looked around and I just went, how did this happen? <laughs> <You know? laughs> How did I wind up here and and I had a, a vision of, of being in a boat and collecting water samples. So I just found the nearest college that had a graduate program um, and a and a program that had uh, an aquatic biology you know lakes lake studying program and um, and I actually found a school here CSU East Bay which used to be um, California State University Hayward. And they had a couple limnology professors, but they didn't have a limnology program. Um, so I did kind of a uh, make your own, choose your own adventure uh, program at the school. Um, I finished the program uh, and immediately just sent out a bunch of emails to lake management companies. And um, one guy replied back and said, yeah, we'd, we'd be interested in, like, an environmental manager, a service manager, and and um, I still am good good friends with that company and, and that boss. We still chat regularly. He called me the other day to ask if I would do some diving inspection for him. And, um, yeah, so I, I got involved. The company was called Aquatic Environments. It's since been bought out and they've become a different company. But, um, yeah, I mean, I got involved there and was – kind of the one who was not just doing some of the hands-on technical work, um, but, I mean we would, I'd drive an aquatic weed harvester, uh, I got my pesticide application licenses, um, but I was also in charge of writing permits or doing permit compliance. So it was a really great opportunity. I mean, I got to kind of, as they say, you know, like start at the bottom and work your way up. And um, I got to really get my hands on all facets of lake management, building aerators, fixing fountains. Um, you know, collecting water samples. Um the science part was always something I gravitated toward. I I really enjoyed the monitoring and the you know the the problem solving, um, trying to determine the causes of, of these problems. And um it's been a it's a great industry. There's a lot of great people to work with, a lot of great people to learn from. Um and so that's that's really where I started. And then uh, I actually, my business partner um, worked for an engineering firm and he used to have to audit aquatic environments, audit the work we would do. And that's when we came up, that's when we envisioned Lake Tech. And that was five or six years ago, more than that, seven or eight years ago. When he would say, like, where's your data? And it's like, it's in this spreadsheet here. You know, well, <laughs> you know did you make a graph? I don't know. It didn't really graph well. Or I don't, you know, so the data was just terrible. And, and that was just, and a lot of companies in like management are, are like that. It's, you know, you collect some lab data, you copy and paste last month to this month. Maybe you update the graphs or not. You know, the problem is, you know, the customers, customers never... The, the argument I hear often is, well, my customers aren't going to pay for that. My customers don't want to pay for data, pay for monitoring. And what Lake Tech does is it takes all, it takes all that additional cost out of it. I mean, even just having a, the the lab data portion of Lake Tech is a drag and drop feature. Um, we're even working on a situation now where the lab can email the data directly to Lake Tech and it will update all the graphs and overlay all the data together. And so, that's hours of labor that these companies were saying, well, I can't do it because no one's going to pay me to do it. And so now we've taken that out of the equation. It goes from data collection to data analysis. That was really the impetus was, was my, my business partner, Greg, um, looking at me and saying, your data is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fix
1: that. <laughs> So I know that I'm a super visual learner, visual person. Um, so you've been describing a lot of these things that your company does as far as like these graphing tools and whatnot. Is there somewhere that um, folks like me could actually see a demo of, of what it is that you guys are doing?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. What is today is April 20th, 2022, for the record, anybody listening in months from now. But next week, we're releasing version two is coming out of new and improved tech. And if you go to my.laketech.com, um, that is our customer portal um, where you can log in and see a demo and we have data in there. You can make graphs. You can look at the real-time weather and overlay some, sense, some real-time sensors that we have deployed. Um, I actually have a property where there is a lake. And so we'll be installing sensors on that lake just for the demonstration account. Um. Of course, then I get sensors in my own lake, which is kind of cool. It's actually the lake that I wrote my master's thesis about. I wrote a management plan on this lake. And years later, one of the homeowners called me and um, basically did me a really great favor and sold me their, uh, a property there so I could also live on the lake myself. Nice. So <laughs> I'm not only the president, I'm also a member.
0: <laughs> That's great. Regarding the algae, is it becoming more of a problem or are people just more aware of it or both?
2: I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, it's definitely becoming more of a problem. I mean, just factually, we're having um, in in the West, where I live here in California, <clears throat> you know, we've had a lot of drought issues. Um, we're having lots of development still occurring in lots of places. Um, and... Um, So I think there's a, there's a part of it, which is people, people are paying attention to it more because they're hearing about it more in the news. And it might've been something they walked past the, walked around the lake every day with their dog and, and ignored the scums or didn't really notice the scums. And, and now they're starting to notice them more. So I think there is a part of that, but, um, you know, folks that, that, as you guys know, that work in the environmental industries, um, whether it's groundwater or surface water, um, we see climate change making an impact. Um, I see it every year in terms of plants that used to not be growing in November or December, um, plants that didn't used to survive the winter, now growing year-round, Um you know, algae, algae seasons starting earlier and earlier every, every, every winter. Um, and we hear this working with our customers. I work with you know, one of my customers in irrigation district and they use certain chemicals to, to treat the irrigation water. And um, just today he called me and he said, I'm really worried. You know, I usually used to not have to start doing anything until June. Um, and I've already started my program this year. Hmm. And that's two months earlier. Um, wow. And that's going to really change their budget. Um, it's going to really change their, their staffing and their schedules. And so that's the situation where we're starting to think about, um, you know, what are some alternative strategies? What are some other things that we need? You know, let's, let's bring out the big guns. Let's be thinking about dredging jobs and other maintenance repair jobs, and things that we can do in those canals. Um, because we're, we're in, a new, in a new world, a new management. What we used to do last year or five years ago or 10 years ago, it's just not going to cut it anymore.
1: So is late tech only focused in California or are you trying to expand?
2: No, we, we, um, that's the beauty of it. Um, uh, is that, you know, I mean, I can put my sensors in a box and ship them anywhere. I literally shipped three sensors to Israel. Um, just recently, um, Texas, Florida, um, Wisconsin. We've got some pretty exciting, really, really large projects coming up. Um, and um, we're going to be really excited to get a bunch more buoys out there. One of the things we really want to start working um, on is um, isopleth maps. So one of the things we're, we've been developing right now is um, maps where we have five or six sensors um, you know, all at different depths with algae sensors. So we can start tracking um, algae throughout the water column as it goes up and down and taking hourly measurements and then putting that in a large graph where your y-axis is depth and x-axis is time. And you can really kind of start seeing that. And people do that a lot with temperature and oxygen, but we want to try to start experimenting with the data with algae sensors. So um, that's going to be something that I think is going to open up a lot more opportunities and places for uh, places for the equipment to start getting used and ways people can start using Lake Tech.
0: Cool. Eli, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to hear about Lake Tech, about uh, the genesis of the company and where you're going with the platform and the types of customers you're working with and helping to solve pretty big problems so thank you for sharing all of that and we are really looking forward to staying in touch and hearing more about what the company uh does in the future
2: yeah thank you i think um it's been a great strategic partnership for us um you guys have been a lot of fun to work with, work with everyone that i've worked with across the state and um uh, i think that there's there's so much more um coming in the future in the next year. I mean, every day has been exciting and new for us. I I really am excited to see the way it's changing how people are thinking about sensors and thinking about management.
0: Great stuff. Thanks. Thank you. This is Aquapod brought to you by In Situ. You can find more episodes and subscribe to the podcast on our website, insitu.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Please listen, share and help us spread the word. This episode was produced by Helen Taylor, Carrie Caslow, and Lauren Ryan with a big assist from Josiah Homeland and Versa Studio in beautiful Colorado. We look forward to bringing you more water monitoring stories from the field. And until then, take
2: care out there.